right, welcome to another episode of Piecing It Together, the podcast where we take a look at a new movie and try to figure out what movies inspired it. And today on the show, we are talking about a movie that came out of nowhere for me, but I am so excited to talk about it. It's No One Will Save You, which is out now on Hulu. It's from writer-director Brian Duffield and stars Caitlin Deaver and is a really fun take on the Alien Invasion film. And joining me to talk about it is Josh Bell from Awesome Movie Year. We have a great conversation, lots of puzzle pieces to get into, and that's coming up here in a second. Before we get to it, I do want to remind you, as always, to make sure you're subscribed to Piecing It Together wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you like the show, maybe drop a little five-star rating and review. That would be very helpful. You could also follow us on social media at PiecingPod and join our Facebook group, Popcorn and Puzzle Pieces, where we continue the conversation about all the movies we talk about here on the show. Also, I think there was an ad probably that played at the beginning before all this, but uh, I'm going to tell you anyway, we've got a live show coming up on October 5th here in Las Vegas, downtown Las Vegas at Art House. On The Exorcist Believer, I've got my wife Gina Mazzoni joining me for that one. I've got filmmaker Michael Keane joining me and Tom Devlin from Tom Devlin's Monster Museum. It's going to be a really fun show and uh, there are tickets available and we still have a little time left for the Enter to Win to try to win some tickets. So if you're in Las Vegas and you want to come out and see the movie with us and then watch us talk about it, Go to our show notes. You'll find links to where you can get entered to win. I hope to see you there. And with that said, let's get into our conversation about No One Will Save You. All right, Josh Bell is back with us. We're going to talk about No One Will Save You. Josh, how is it going? Um, pretty good. There's an alien in my mm -hmm. bedroom, but it's trapped oh. there, so I'm feeling fine. Yeah, yeah, you should just, uh, you know, just hide behind a bed, then hide behind a wall, hide behind a door, you know, just anywhere you can find, you'll be all right. Right, right, but I'm already, yeah. I'm already talking too much, so I think yeah. this isn't going to work. As long as there's no people in your house, you should be good. Yeah. So, <laughs> that's the number one thing here. Uh, this movie, uh, I don't know about you, but came out of nowhere for me. Was this one on your radar before this weekend when it came out? Yeah, um, a little bit, just... I didn't know a ton about it, but I wrote a review of this for CBR. So I had planned to watch it and write about it, but it was more just looking ahead at releases like, oh, that's a sci-fi movie and it has Caitlin Deaver and that might be something to review, but I didn't know a ton about it. And even the trailer didn't come out, I think, until after I had made a plan to review it. So I didn't really know all that much. And I didn't expect much. Like I knew a little bit and I was aware of it, but I didn't expect much out of it. Just review wise, it was something where the screeners weren't available until the last minute and they had put a review embargo on it until like the moment it's released. And oftentimes that's a sign that it's not something isn't very good. They're trying to contain the sure. reaction to it because it's going to be negative. And that's not the case at all. Like you and I like this movie, but it seems like it's generally very well liked. Absolutely. Yeah. And I'm surprised about that with like uh, them holding back on critic reviews and stuff like that, because it does seem like everybody is really enjoying it. And, you know, talking about the trailer, this was one that, you know, me and Jason Harris always end up doing our trailer episodes. And this one didn't even like kind of come up on our list, probably because there wasn't a trailer until so recently. And so we missed out on this one. Uh, but I remember seeing like key art for it and something about it. You might've seen my letterbox review. I just thought this was like 
a kid's movie, basically. Like that was like the the vibe I got off of anything that I had heard about it up until that point. So I was gonna kind of just like, oh yeah, sure. I, I you know maybe I'll get to it one of these days, but. Something about me, something about it made me watch it. And uh, yeah, I, I love this movie. I had so much fun with it. And I think Caitlin Deaver is so much fun in this role. And I, it's going to be an interesting one to get into as we start getting into puzzle pieces. I, I think there's a lot of kind of angles, of course, sci-fi. That's going to be like the main way. But I think there's a lot to get into here. Um, so let's just start getting into it. What do you have for your first puzzle piece? All right. Well, uh, I have a lot of alien movies, so maybe I didn't take oh, as yeah. many angles as you did. But I'll start with one that's not an alien movie. And that is Mike Flanagan's Hush, which is okay. another home invasion film and also with very little dialogue. And the reason there's there's not dialogue in that film is because the main character played by Kate Siegel, of course, Mike Flanagan's frequent collaborator slash wife, is deaf. And so she's home alone. She lives in this isolated house, much like Caitlin Deaver's character here. And so when someone breaks in, she at first doesn't hear them. And then as she's kind of fighting this person off, you know, they're not speaking to each other. She, she couldn't hear him if he did try to speak to her. And so like this movie, it conveys a lot and generates a lot of suspense without having to have the character talk. And it also gives you some backstory about who she is via like her writing and things like that. You know, we see Caitlin Deaver in this movie, writing, handwriting the letter and uh, mm -hmm. Kate Siegel's character in that movie. I believe she actually is a writer. And, but we see her writing like maybe emails or texts or something like that to get a sense of her situation and why she's in this house uh, isolated. And of course, Mike Flanagan, excellent filmmaker, known for his big horror miniseries more these days, but also a good just feature filmmaker. And this was one of his earlier films, I think that, that got him some attention early on and uh, is a really well-crafted uh, home invasion movie. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, 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 I haven't seen Hush, but like talking about the the angle of the uh, the silent protagonist, kind of like th that this character doesn't speak. And like, why would she speak that much? You know, she's like kind of self-isolated. There's no one else around, like nothing to say to these aliens or anything like that. There doesn't need to be that much dialogue here. And the fact that they stick with that and like really lean into that, I think lends to a lot of what the movie's trying to say and her performance just, you know, she really pulls it off. And uh, I'm going to have to see Hush though. I, I've never seen that and I've heard good things about it. Yeah, it is good. And I will say, I mean, I, I liked the whole device of the character not speaking in this film. I think it's effective. And I think you're right that someone who's alone like that, maybe why would they speak? But as someone who lives alone and uh, talks to myself constantly, if it was me yeah. and there was an alien in my house and I was by myself, I would be talking all the time. Holy shit, there's an alien. What do I do? Oh, no, maybe I should run here. What was, you know, it would definitely not be a silent film. Oh, boy, we're getting into some insights yeah. about Josh. here. I love it. <laughs> right on. Uh, well, I am going to go to my first piece, uh, definitely sticking with sci-fi here, but uh, I am going with Andrew Patterson's The Vast of Night. I mentioned this in my letterbox, but to me, this movie is such a, uh, a perfect pairing with that film from 2020, which itself was like this just loving uh, homage to like sci-fi B-movies of the 50s, especially you could say War of the Worlds, and uh, just totally wears that on its sleeve while doing something that you really 
haven't seen before, even though it is so indebted to so many things that uh, that it is drawing from. And they're both like very kind of show-offy type of movies. They're both movies that uh, are, are just so in love with the kind of movie that they're trying to make. And I think that that really comes through in what Brian Duffield's doing here. And I haven't seen his other film, Spontaneous. Um, I, I do want to get around to that one of these days. Have you seen Spontaneous? Yeah, and people love that movie. And that's one that I was really excited because it seems like exactly the kind of thing I would like sort of this this sci-fi horror combined with like teen romance and I remember being a bit disappointed in it but I hmm. am in the minority on that okay all right well yeah I do want to get around to that one of these days but but yeah I mean just you know especially with the show that I do here with piecing it together like you know a filmmaker who just loves their influences I think that there's a lot of fun to be had there and it's exciting to see yeah, I, I like The Vast of Night a lot, and, and that is another movie that, like, yeah, you described that something that is very wearing its influences on its sleeve. And I think that maybe is a little more inventive than this, but I, I, I don't know. I mean, certainly on a lower budget even, and is even more impressive what he does in that film with the the resources that he has, but both, both very good. Mm-hmm. Well, what do you got for your next piece? Well, I might as well uh, keep uh, away from the sci-fi still for a moment and mention one other... Home Invasion film, and that is Don't Breathe. And of course, a very, very popular Home Invasion film from uh, recent years. I feel like something that probably has come up other times on here if there's any sort of burglary, home invasion-y type story. But the idea that the the like sort of antagonist. I mean, in that movie, it is the protagonists who are the robbers and they break in and they realize we broke in the wrong house. But in a way, it's here, it's like the aliens realizing we broke in the wrong house. Like sure, we underestimated yeah. this lady living out in the middle of nowhere who makes dresses on Etsy or whatever. And she's actually more resourceful. I mean, as far as we see in the film and we don't get the bigger picture really, but she seems to be the only one who has been able to fight off the aliens at all. And yeah. so- they, she definitely proves to be a worthy adversary for them in a way that they don't seem to have expected, much like the blind guy in Don't Breathe. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think there's plenty of parallels there with Don't Breathe and definitely one that I was thinking about as well. So uh, yeah. I'm glad you uh, glad you brought that one in there. You know, speak. I was going to save this one for later, but speaking of the fact that, uh, you know, the aliens seem to be like no match for this girl, uh, that's uh, and that's an angle that I wasn't thinking of when I wrote this one down, a puzzle piece I've brought up a million times when piecing it together, but I'm doing it again today. It's a movie called Evil Dead 2. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, uh, but to me, so first of all, that absolutely, you know, that's one thing I, I love about the Evil Dead movies. And, uh, you know, I talk about this all the time is just the fact that, you know, no one is any match for Ash. Like he is the hero of all heroes. And as other people are just getting turned into splatters of blood, like, you know, relentlessly, you know, he's maybe getting beat up a little bit or thrown across the room. And he's always like, he's so relentless and, and uh, always able to win every encounter. But the reasons I had it written down more so um, is the relationship. And I, like I said, I haven't seen uh, Brian Duffield's other film. And I, other than maybe Booksmart, I'm not sure I've seen that much out of Caitlin Deaver, but it seems like there's a relationship here between Duffield and uh, Deaver that feels a little bit like Raimi and Campbell uh, with, with Evil Dead. Like the big thing has always been that Sam Raimi just wants to torture Bruce Campbell on camera <laughs> and like make him squirm, like throw him into as many insane over the top situations as he can and just loves watching him just 
fight his way out and squirm his way through the whole thing. And that's kind of the vibe I got here. I got like they were having so much fun just torturing her with these aliens and all the people that she's running from and the uncomfortableness of, you know, even when it's not aliens, just when it's people, which that's another whole topic to, to talk about here. But um, I, I, I really kind of felt like that kind of came across here. Yeah. I mean, I don't know either what exactly the relationship is between the two of them, but I think if you're making a movie like this, where essentially one person is the whole movie that you have to have a really strong working relationship, otherwise the movie is yeah. going to fail. And so I'm sure they sure. had that. Yeah, I would think so too. And I, and like I said, like they just seem like they're having so much fun with this. So I, it, it would make me think so, but um, yeah, let's go on to another piece. What do you got next? All right. Well, now I'm just going to go to all the alien movies. <laughs> nice, nice. <laughs> so I will start with uh, M. Night Shyamalan's Signs, which sure. I haven't seen in a really long time, but is also a movie about uh, aliens invading people who live in a kind of isolated rural area and turn out to be maybe smarter than the aliens or be able to figure out how to defeat the aliens in a way that other people have not. Uh, it does have uh, is it, it's a little girl, right? Or is a, who, who is the, the, the kid in science who I'm like bringing this up and I don't even remember the details. <laughs> was it Dakota Fanning? I, I, I think, think it, it is. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and she's the one who, because she leaves all the glasses of water around kind of discovers how to defeat the aliens. And, and I believe the aliens in that one also have this very traditional look as they do here where they've got the big gray heads and the, the bulbous, sure. like the black eyes and whatever, and the, the very familiar Look, and I feel like Shyamalan also is someone who is known for taking these familiar genre elements and then kind of putting his own different spin on them, his own stylistic approach. And this seems like the kind of movie that Shyamalan would make as, you know, almost as like a challenge, like, what if I made a movie with no dialogue and, you know, sure. see what he can do with that. So, yeah, I haven't seen Signs in a really long time, but I think that is another movie. And also the idea of like the character's personal struggles being sort of resolved or addressed via the alien invasion come, comes up in that movie as well. No, absolutely. I, I also had it on my list. And I mean, you could also look at, you know, some of like the crop circle imagery like yeah. feels very similar. And then another thing, though, that, that also I think works in there really well is um, the, the protagonist who's like kind of self-isolated anyway, even if there wasn't an alien invasion happening. I mean, uh, if I remember correctly, because I also haven't seen Signs in a long time, but I think like the town kind of hates him, uh, Joaquin Phoenix's character. Yeah, and I think that's right. Yeah, and that's kind of something here with we don't really get a lot of the backstory about like what exactly happened, but we know that Caitlin Deaver is kind of in self-isolation. She doesn't talk to other people. She doesn't like other people. Other people don't seem to like her either. And uh, there's something that happened. And um, it's uh, it's it's an interesting way for your character to already be uh, fearful of everybody, regardless of the fact that oh, here comes a big alien invasion too. Right. I think we do find out what happened there and why people don't like her. Well, I mean, we find out like the, the gist of it, but I mean, it's years later and like, you know, you would think that maybe, maybe things had kind of smoothed over by now. Yeah, well, maybe? clearly not when she walks in the police station and they spit on her. It's obviously yeah, still hate her. fresh. Yeah, I mean, that's exactly. That's why it seems like there's maybe more to it than what we're shown, but I will go to... um. Well, you know what? I I mentioned it with I, I could have combined this with The Vast of Night, but um I'm gonna go whereas the Vast of Night felt like, you know, fifty-three War of the Worlds, you know, this could be a lot like 
uh, Spielberg's 2015 War of the Worlds. So I'm going with that as a puzzle piece here. Uh, there's a lot of Spielberg imagery here, the ambulance style stuff. And uh, also just like the way that that film kind of took that story and just went nonstop action with it until it's all of a sudden suspense and then it's nonstop action again. Um, you know, certainly making it into a Tom Cruise movie for sure. And, uh, th you know, there's like all this like insanity with the alien stuff, but, you know, very little uh, explanation of, you know, why or, you know, what exactly the aliens want to do. I mean, there is some things, but you kind of have to read into what you think like their purpose is or anything like that. So uh, I, I think that there's, you know, definitely a lot of comparisons, both with the Vast of Night puzzle piece to, you know, classic War of the Worlds, but also to Spielberg's War of the Worlds. Yeah. And I wonder if that Amblin feel is one of the reasons why you thought it might be more family friendly or kid oriented. Like, like, yeah, it could be not like War yeah, of the like, Worlds necessarily, but like other uh, Spielberg films or Amblin films, like from the 80s sure. or whatever. But yeah, is this just going to be another Stranger Things kind of movie? You know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I agree with you, though, that one of the strengths of this film is that we just don't know what the heck is going on with the aliens. Like, what are they doing? Why are they doing what they're doing? What are they trying to accomplish? You know, what are their motives? What are their methods? What's going on elsewhere? We don't really know anything except what Bryn, the main character, is experiencing in the moment and we're experiencing like along with her. Sure. Absolutely. Well, what do you got for your next piece? Well, uh, I'm going to go with an aspect that you were kind of mentioning a bit and mention Invasion of the Body Snatchers. And of course, that relates to it, which is, again, one of these things I feel like where we don't fully understand what's happening. But in some way, these aliens appear to be either replacing or taking over the people, possibly both, because we see this like kind of parasite thingy that that goes down Bryn's throat and, and mm -hmm. kind of takes her over. And it seems like that's happened to other people. We see at one point a person with this like rippling in their neck where the thing must be or whatever, and they're all reaching toward the sky. But then at another point, we see an alien who sort of like duplicates Bryn. Right. Yeah, and so yeah. I was not entirely sure which of those things was happening or maybe both of those things were happening. But I mean, certainly those are things that come up in Invasion of the Body Snatchers and the idea of people being replaced by aliens who kind of take over their lives. And this also relates, I think, all the way to the end of the movie where the aliens seem, you know, spoilers here, but um, the aliens seem to have decided to let Bryn live and maybe not anyone else. And right, they've right. created this sort of idyllic town for her where the people, again, either are alien replacements or are being controlled by the aliens. But either way, they're all kind of like puppets and they're being nice to her or whatever. And Invasion of the Body Snatchers, it's scary. But what the aliens really want is to just replace people with sort of docile versions of those people. And, mm -hmm. and that's kind of what you get here at the end, but it's also scary. And also specifically in the 1978 version, just like the, the screeching noises that the pod people make in that movie, I feel like have been mimicked here with the noises that the aliens make in this movie. Yeah, we got the screeches. We also have the quiet place clicking and uh, we, we get all, you know, all the great alien sound effects going on here. But uh, no, great one for sure. And I'm just going to jump right on top of that one uh, with another piece that kind of deals with the ending as well. 
Um, I'm going with The Stepford Wives, a film we just talked about over an awesome movie here. It's kind of a reverse Stepford Wives situation in a way. Like, the aliens have created this, uh, like, perfect society for Caitlin Deaver's character, Bryn, to live in, even though, you know, they're not robots, but uh, they're basically all aliens now or like taken over by aliens or you know <laughs> however exactly that works um it, yeah it turns into this weird and of course it's all i think meant to be maybe a little more metaphorical than that but um you know she is living in harmony and happy uh with this town full of these alien controlled people and it's a really really weird kind of ending that I think uh, mirrors a little bit about the ending of the Stepford Wives. Yeah, I mean, and there's definitely a Stepford Wives thing here too. And, and like I said, with Invasion of the Body Snatchers, that's another one where what they want is to replace the people with just more docile, easy to get along with versions of themselves or whatever. And that's yeah. kind of what we have here at the end. Absolutely. I will say before we go to your next piece, like one of the things that I really liked about this movie, though, um, and like the ending, yes, they're they're certainly more docile. She has this like perfect little town. Um, but up until that point, one of the things that I loved so much, I mean, this woman, she's so anxious around people. And so, you know, other people make her nervous. Throughout the movie, I felt like the people who had been taken over by the aliens are so much scarier than the aliens themselves. And that, I feel like, mirrors what she already sees about people. And I, I just thought that was a really cool touch about this movie. Yeah, I mean, of course, that's always the thing. And when we first realize that's even a thing that can happen when she gets on the bus and she thinks she's escaping from the town, and then the people on the bus are all aliens, too. And it's like they're, they're everywhere. You can't escape from them. And that's, of course... Uh, you know, going back to Invasion of the Body Snatchers, that's one of the things is that no matter where you are, if you think you're safe, you never know if the people around you are really aliens. Absolutely. Absolutely. People are very scary. Um, they are. <laughs> let's go to another piece. Well, I think this will relate. This relates kind of to the ending, too, and, and to some of the, I don't know, hallucinations or fantasies or whatever you want to call them that the aliens give her to experience. And it's a smaller movie from a year or two ago that I really liked called I'm Totally Fine with Jillian Bell and Natalie Morales. And it's it's an alien movie, but it's it's more of a, a comedy slash drama. It's not really like action-y at all. And it's just a two-character movie. And the idea there is Jillian Bell plays this woman who's, whose best friend has died and she's mourning the death of her best friend. And she goes to this isolated house to kind of clear her head. And also because she and her friend who have a business together were originally supposed to have this big party at this house to celebrate the launch of their business, but which isn't happening anymore. And so she's at this isolated house and she wakes up one day and suddenly there's her friend, Natalie Morales, it appears to be, but it's really not. It's an alien posing as her friend for the mm. sake of like studying humans, but who has decided that posing as this familiar person will be easier for Jillian Bell to handle. And of course it's not, it's like really hard for her to deal with her grief like this. And it's funny and it's touching It's a really good little film that not a lot of people saw. But I think we get that in that one scene where there's this catharsis of Bryn being able to see her friend who she killed accidentally and say that mm. she's sorry. And even though it's not really her, it's just some alien vision or whatever. It, it gives her that kind of emotional closure there. And that's what Jillian Bell gets a bit. I mean, she didn't kill her friend. Her friend died of cancer, I think, or whatever. But she also lacked the closure or in terms of things that, that were unsaid between them when they were alive. And she gets to have it via this alien. So uh, good little film. And I don't know if Brian Duffield saw it, but he should see it. 
<laughs> also on Hulu, I believe. But um, yeah, I actually never saw that. I, I need to watch that one of these days. It sounds really good. Yeah, it is. I What I thought you were going to bring up at first, uh, a movie that I know you liked a little more than me, uh, and I have on my list is Spiderhead, uh, the Chris Hemsworth, Joe oh. Kaczynski film. I did not um, have that also on my list. <laughs> Okay, well, uh, also speaking about that ending, you know, like I said, like it's a little vague as to what, uh, you know, the aliens are actually doing on Earth and what exactly their plan is. But, you know, in just kind of trying to suss it out myself, I guess, uh, I was thinking that they're just basically trying to, you know, uh, experiment, you know, on some kind of new medication or whether it's a, a therapy, whatever it is, just trying to explore uh, people's reactions to, you know, getting everything that they want. It's like some kind of emotional manipulation technique. And, uh, you know, it reminded me a little bit of that film in which, you know, these prisoners are all getting these new kinds of, uh, emotional drugs tested on them. And, uh, you know, I, I, I thought that movie, I didn't really like where it went by the end. Like I didn't think it like kind of closed out, but I thought it definitely was a really cool setup. Yeah, I, I mean, you're right in that I like that movie more than it seemed like most people did. I thought it was a cool idea that that took some interesting turns and some less interesting turns, but I found it entertaining overall. And Joseph Kaczynski, the director, has a good visual style and Chris Hemsworth was having fun playing the villain. I didn't think of it with this one, but uh, mm -hmm. I mean, it is it is good. And then you're right that that we don't know, right? One thing we don't see is like, all the other people who are taken over by aliens, like what are they experiencing? Are they having similar visions of things from their own lives or living in an idealized version of what they would want or whatever? We just don't know what's happening with any of that. Right. They're, they're just almost like pawns in, they want to maybe test just Bryn. And like, so everybody else is like, well, you guys are just going to be a part of this experiment. So, right. You know? Right. Yeah. We don't yeah. really know. That could very well be it. Yeah. So uh, what do you got next? Well, I'll mention another uh, sort of smaller indie film that I, I think is really fun that, and maybe also underrated and maybe also on Hulu, actually, um, <laughs> called Save Yourselves from uh, also a few years ago with uh, John Reynolds, who people might know from uh, Search Party or uh, recently from some other show that I watched that... Uh, from Yellow Jackets. Um, ah, there we go. And Sunita Mani, who is on Glow. And they play this, this kind of Brooklyn hipster couple who decide that they're going to take a trip to an isolated house in the middle of nowhere. And they need to kind of decompress and reconnect. So they decide they're going to like get rid of all their electronic devices. And while they're on their vacation and they're not no, like hearing what happens in the world, um, aliens invade Earth. And so they're just hanging out. And of course, eventually the aliens get to them and, but mm -hmm. they don't know what it is. And the aliens look like, um, they call them poofs. They, they look, they look like little, like kind of fuzzy, um, like, uh, seats that you would decorate your house with. And so they don't oh, even nice. realize that they're aliens at first. And it's a very funny movie, but it also is about this couple trying to deal with their problems as they run from aliens and they don't know what's going on and they have to turn their phones back on and they hear all these frantic voicemails from people like, don't come back to New York, the aliens are here. And um, <laughs> also eventually the aliens take them for purposes that we're not entirely clear on. So um, another fun little film, more comedic than I'm totally fine, but also a mix of that with the kind of emotional stuff for the characters. So um, one I recommend as well, Save Yourselves. Okay, well, that sounds really cool, and I've never seen it, but I should have used uh, those poofs as a puzzle piece for Landscape with Invisible Hand. Those aliens also look kind of like seats. Oh, okay. I, I haven't seen that movie yet, but I look forward to it. 
Yeah, absolutely. So I will go, you know, I could have brought this one up earlier when you were talking about all those home invasion movies, but the first 20, 30 minutes of this movie uh, feels so much like Home Alone with an alien. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, it, it it really is just Caitlin Deaver just outsmarting these aliens and just like running right at last minute and they slip and fall and slam into things. And, uh, it, you know, this movie almost felt like is this going to be that kind of like kid friendly alien movie that I thought it was? And then things get really weird from there. Right. But uh, certainly for that opening though, it felt a lot home alone ish. I felt like, yeah. And she's using the house, right? She takes a, like a curling iron at one point that she's brandishing yeah. against them. And when she stabs the, I wasn't sure when she stabs the alien in the head, is that like a piece of one of her models or something that she's using there? I think so. It was incredibly violent that moment. <laughs> it just, it looked so shocked that it got stabbed in the head. Like that was, uh, that was crazy. Right. Well, I think going back to what we said before, like the aliens don't seem to think that these people are going to be any trouble, especially not this, this kind of small woman here. Yeah. And she just goes for it really. Yeah. She's really smart when she uh, boils all that water. Like that is a good weapon, even though it only like saved her a few seconds, but still. Right. Yeah. And that is in a way also like Home Alone where he kind of sets up things that he can use yeah. later when he needs it. Um, but yeah, there's one great cut, I think, after she kills or I don't know if it's after she kills the alien, but it's one, at one point where she's it's a close up on her face and she's kind of traumatized and she doesn't know what to do. And you see her like almost like get that resolve in that moment. And she's like, I'm going to fucking kill these aliens. And yeah. <laughs> you can just see it in her face. So that was really good. Yeah, that was really great stuff there for sure. Uh, I've got one more piece. What do you got left? Well, I've got, you know, a few more alien movies. I don't know how many we want to name necessarily, but um, I, uh, you mentioned a quiet place already briefly. And I mean, that's, that's kind of an obvious one here. Also with the, the sure. wordlessness, of course, you know, that movie, there's more dialogue in that movie, but a lot of it is like, I think almost like an hour of that movie or something goes by without basically without the characters speaking, which is, you know, a big risk in a movie like that, that was an even bigger mainstream film than this one. And, um, so creating that suspense, uh, without the characters speaking to each other and, you know, some of the sound effects or whatever. So, uh, you know, I can throw that in as my next one. Yeah, no, I, I think that that, uh, you know, it definitely works. And it, especially with the, you know, we were talking about at the beginning of the conversation, but like, yeah, the wordlessness of this film and like, there's really so little dialogue throughout. So, you know, definitely you can fit that in there. Plus, like I said, the aliens are very clicky. Uh, with their <laughs> yes. noises, so for sure. Um, my last one, uh, Drew Goddard's The Cabin in the Woods. Um, his uh, kind of, uh, you know, undoing of Cabin in the Woods horror films. Uh, this movie kind of, kind of takes that approach of, you know, it is an alien invasion movie, but it's also, uh, you know, about this this girl who just is so disconnected from everybody in her community. It's also uh, a home invasion movie. It's also all these other things kind of just mixed together and does something that is squarely within the alien invasion genre, but also is something totally different altogether. And so I think the cabin of the woods kind of feels like something that uh, could be pointed to as well here. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And I think this is not quite as much a genre deconstruction as that one is, mm -hmm. but it's definitely something that, Seems like Brian Duffield has on his mind and Spontaneous has a bit of that as well, it seems like. So that mm. makes sense. So I, I was know. waiting. I kept I left this out because it's like one of your favorites. And I was see, waiting for you to mention Cloverfield, um, <laughs> yes. not only Cloverfield, but also 10 Cloverfield Lane, really both of those first two Cloverfield movies. And yeah, 
I mean, one of the big things to me about the first Cloverfield that's that it does really well is another thing that this one does well that I was mentioning the idea of like, we don't know what's going on. You know, we're following these characters who are just everyday people. And suddenly there's an alien or a monster. And I, I guess the Cloverfield monster is not an alien. Is that right? I don't know. There, there, there's theories, but yeah, yeah. Well, something or other. <laughs> and, you know, we yeah. never cut away to like the military trying to figure out how to stop it or the scientist who studied and know what's going on or whatever. It's just these normal people who are running away and trying to figure out how to stay safe or find their loved ones or, you know, obviously in Cloverfield, they don't really fight back because you can't fight that thing if you're just a person. Sure. Right. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I think that was one of the great things about that movie at the time. And that's something that this movie does here, too. And then in 10 Cloverfield Lane, you have the people in the isolated area who don't entirely know sure. what's going on outside and, you know, what's the nature of it and, you know, have to kind of take on faith that this is what's going on. I mean, of course, like in that movie, Mary Elizabeth Winstead doesn't know whether to believe, right, John Goodman about what's really happened in the world. But here too, I also wondered at a certain point in this film when she's like fighting the aliens and trying to kill them. And there's, there's moments where they like stop attacking her. And I wondered mm -hmm. if like, are we going to get a twist where the aliens are actually nice? And they're like, Oh my God, we're so afraid of you. Leave us alone. Yeah, sure. <laughs> no, it, it's funny that you, uh, that you brought it up because like, yeah, I totally should have written it down. And I was even thinking about it when to bring up the Vasta Knight yet again, um, when I first thought of the Vasta Knight as a puzzle piece, I was thinking about how that and this almost feel in the same way that Cloverfield and 10 Cloverfield Lane aren't like connected, connected, but they feel like they could be of a piece of giving these like young, new, fresh indie filmmakers a chance to do a self-contained, uh, you know, sci-fi or genre kind of picture. And then, you know, loosely connect them together in some way you know it feels a lot like what they did with cloverfield and tank cloverfield lane and definitely not a third movie um <laughs> i haven't seen that one but i know that's a, a big Ugh. sore spot for you yeah we'll never talk about that but uh yeah so no so i was even thinking about it while i was thinking about that piece um i just didn't write it down so i'm so glad you brought it up Josh. all right well i'm happy to help you then <laughs> right so, on right on um Couple other alien movies. Um, you know, we talked about Spielberg already. I thought of Close Encounters of the Third Kind, mainly just one sure. specific scene with Melinda Dillon's character when the aliens come to her isolated house and they're gonna take her child and like the light shining through the door and things like that is clearly a visual reference here to Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Um mm -hmm. and the way the aliens look, which I forget is maybe that's only in like the director's cut or whatever, but but Spielberg has aliens that look like that as well. Of course, those aliens are much nicer than these aliens. Right. But sure, sure. Um, yeah. You know, also that, a cool score, which uh, the score in this movie I absolutely love. Yeah, it's so. great. And the sound design in general, as we mentioned, all the noises that the aliens make and whatever, and just just everything, you know, because you have to understand everything without Bryn speaking. So, you know, even background noises and stuff convey that to you. More recently, and I've seen people bring this up a bunch and probably a movie that was not out when this was being made, but Jordan Peele's Nope, of course. Mm -hmm. uh, again, people who live in a kind of isolated area seem to be the first people to realize that there's an alien. I mean, we get that a point at the in the movie here where after she's killed the first alien, she goes into town and everyone's just going about their business and it doesn't seem right. like anyone right. else knows that there's an alien invasion yet. Yeah, there's a scene where you see lots of them like out in the distance, lots of spaceships, like all beaming things, you know. Uh, but yeah, I mean, we don't we don't know. We never find out. So, right. It seems like maybe she was one of the first places 
that they stopped or whatever. Like, yeah, when you get that shot, you get the sense that they're probably everywhere, but maybe they hadn't gotten everywhere right away or whatever. Sure. Um, yeah. So yeah. So that that aspect, and then another small indie film called Pod by uh, Mickey Keating, who's an interesting indie filmmaker who does uh, a lot of these genre type movies where he takes a familiar genre and kind of puts his own weird indie twist on it. And that's a movie set in an isolated house (laughs) where these two siblings uh, show up to kind of confront their brother who has mental health issues and drug addiction issues. And he tells them like, oh, I trapped an alien in the basement. And they're like, no, you didn't. And a lot of the movie is the suspense of like, but did he? And then we kind of, it escalates from there. And it's a really good way to make an alien movie where it's just like three people in a house and the alien is not on screen, (laughs) but there's an alien. And, uh, you know, he's good at very innovative in those ways. He's made a lot of interesting films. So another one that probably a lot of people have not seen. So, yeah, I've never seen it, but, um, I, I remember that coming up on this podcast before. I wonder what movie that was a beast for, but, uh, I'm going to have to look that up one of these days, but I will read down our list of puzzle pieces here and then we'll get into some closing thoughts. But we talked about hush, the vast of night. Don't Breathe, Evil Dead 2, Signs, War of the Worlds, Invasion of the Body Snatchers, The Stepford Wives, I'm Totally Fine, Spiderhead, Save Yourselves, Home Alone, A Quiet Place, The Cabin in the Woods, Cloverfield, and 10 Cloverfield Lane, Nope, and Pod. A big old list, all kinds of stuff in there. Uh, yeah, I, 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 like I said, I, I love this movie. I, uh, I think that there's a lot that, as I continue you know, just kind of sitting with it. I'm, I'm finding all kinds of other ways that I'm really connecting with it. And, uh, I don't know this might even make my top 10. We'll see. That's how much I love this. Yeah. I mean, I feel like it's kind of toward the bottom tier of that for me right now. I don't know. Um, not sure if it'll That's end up still your top 10 though. I think so. <laughs> I have to look, I just updated. Yeah. I mean, I, I, you know, this year has been a, as we talked about, I think in our half year episode where it's like a lot of things, I haven't had a lot of movies that I've just been really, really fully like wowed by. And this one was really good. I mean, I think people should check it out if it came out of nowhere for people like it did uh, seemingly like make time for it. Watch on Hulu. It's good. I don't know that it's a top 10 movie for me per se, but Mm -hmm. definitely uh, excellent film. And and of course, one of these things that I know this is, you know, for you, a big thing like should this have been released in theaters? Wouldn't that have been a great mm. theater experience for this with the sound and everything? But of course it wasn't. Yeah, of course it wasn't. And uh, I'll complain about that for a long time to come, I'm sure. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and so. justifiably so. I mean, I saw people like, I don't know that it's a puzzle piece per se, but people referencing Prey, which is another mm-hmm. great action sci-fi movie that Hulu was released, was released directly on Hulu. And people kept saying, why wasn't this in theaters? And showing that Disney 20th century, whoever makes these decisions doesn't know what the hell they're doing. Exactly. Exactly. Welcome to streaming in 2023. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I think that does it for no one will save you. Josh, is there another movie you watched recently you'd like to recommend to our listeners? Yeah. I'm going to recommend another like kind of genre, uh, something that plays around with that uh, horror film called birth rebirth that I think is now available on VOD. It was in theaters. It this album was in theaters for a bit and did did play in our uh, art house theater, the Beverly here in Vegas. Although I watched it at home, and it's kind of a take on the Frankenstein story with Marin Ireland as this uh, pathologist who is trying to find a cure for death 
And she takes this little girl who has died of bacterial meningitis and brings her back to life. And Judy Reyes plays the nurse who is this little girl's mother. And they end up kind of teaming up to keep the girl alive and have to do terrible things. And it's it's more of a dark drama than like, like scary horror. But it's a really interesting take on the Frankenstein story. The lead performances are excellent, both Marin Ireland and Judy Reyes. And uh, it's just, it's, it's engrossing and gross and uh, really well acted, <laughs> interesting film. So it'll probably be also on Hulu or some other streamer subscription wise, but you can rent it now on VOD uh, Birth Rebirth. Maybe I'll watch that to be a uh, poor things puzzle piece later this year. Okay. Yeah, it probably will. A lot of interesting takes on, we had the, the angry black girl and her monster a few months, yeah. months before, which was not as good, but it's also a cool take on Frankenstein. For sure, for sure. Josh, what do you got going on? Well, we got awesome movie year, as you well know, of course. We are mm-hmm. in the midst of our season on the films of 1987 with a lot of, I think, movies that people are interested in or beloved films from that era, nostalgic ones, as well as some obscure, arty things as well. So that's always uh, always fun for us. You can check us out at awesomemovieyear.com at uh, Awesome Movie Year on Facebook and Instagram and Awesome Movie Pod on uh, Twitter X or whatever the hell that is. And my stuff, uh, old stuff at joshbellhateseverything.com and I'm on social media on Facebook at joshbellhateseverything, at Signal Bleed on Twitter X and on Letterboxd. And I'm now on Blue Sky for some reason Mm. at Signal Bleed. And if you're in Vegas, you can see my reviews every Friday on the 11 a.m. news on KTNV Channel 13. Anyone listening who wonders if I'm on Blue Sky, no, I'm not. Uh, When I get an invite, do you want to be on Blue Sky? No. no. Once it all shuts down, I'm done. I'm just going to keep doing the podcast and just no one will know except my subscribers. So that's that's fair. It is a little ridiculous. I'm just copying and pasting the same posts on like four different services. Yeah, pretty much. Josh, thanks as always for being here, and I look forward to getting you back again soon. Yeah, can't wait. I'm Josh Bell. And I'm Jason Harrison. We co-host a podcast called Awesome Movie Year. Each season, we take a look back at an awesome year for movies, which is every year. We deep dive into these specific years, and we pick out why they were such great years for films. We go over the biggest hits, the biggest flops, the best picture, and some personal picks, some cult classics. Years we've covered in past seasons include 1994, 2003, 1977, and 1984. And we've got all of film history to look forward to. So check us out at awesomemovieyear.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. All right. So I hope you enjoyed that conversation about No One Will Save You. Thanks to Josh Bell for joining me. And thanks to all of you for listening. If you're enjoying piecing it together, make sure you are subscribed. we got a lot of podcasts on the way. And while you're getting subscribed, make sure to drop us a little five-star rating or review. It would be very helpful if you did that. And, of course, share the show and all that stuff. Follow us on social media. Uh, also, we do have a Patreon, the Produced by David Rosen Patreon, where I post bonus and advanced content from Piecing It Together, from Josh's podcast, Awesome Movie Year, and from my music career. I just recently released the soundtrack to a film called Jacqueline that I scored and uh, that is an exclusive over there on Patreon. 
that director, Chris Johnson, who directed Jacqueline, I also am releasing an official album uh, for another of his films that I scored called Blind Malice. That'll be out on October 6th. That'll be on all the streaming services and all that stuff, too. Uh, but, of course, I post all this stuff in advance over on the Patreon and lots of other bonuses. So if you want to support the show in that way, I do appreciate it. It's patreon.com slash Rosen. And speaking of my music, let's close this show out with a piece of music like I always do. And... You know what? I love this movie so much that we just talked about that I think I am going to go and show you guys a little preview of something I've been working on. Um, so, like I said, I've got this new soundtrack album coming out on October 6th, and then I have a bunch of music. I'm not ready to uh, announce it all yet, but a bunch of music coming out in 2024. Uh, you're going to hear about that very soon, but I also have already been planning out an album for 2025, and this song will be on that. So, yeah, I, I am in a, uh, a very productive phase right now musically, uh, so a lot is on the way. Um, but this is a very uh, alien-themed track uh, called Invasion. And so uh, let's close it out with Invasion. This is like, I'd say, like, let's say 98% done. Uh, I might tweak it a little bit before it comes out in two years from now. Uh, <laughs> you're getting to hear it very early. So I hope you enjoy Invasion. We'll be back with more Piecing It Together real soon.
an All Points West production, produced by David Rosen in Las Vegas.